right, all right, fine. I'll be a gracious host. How you doing? Little Mermaid is the scariest Disney movie by far, though. Why the hell is Ace Blade in your Kickstarter? <laughs> Some comics. We gonna, I'm getting controversial today. We're going to get controversial today with... with... My, my proudest moment is this interview. And being able to talk to you too. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Taurus Comics, in collaboration with Fourth Wall Productions, respectfully brings to you the 101st episode of the Four Tales podcast. I'm your host, Kyron Silva from Taurus Comics. Across the way is a bluish-red biographer of Ace Blade, Daddy J. Quick, and together we are your two award-winning Blurred Comic Creators, here to help you find your next favorite comic. We are live on the Age the Geekdom Network via Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. We're also live on TikTok. So if you're listening or watching us, thank you for your support. But don't forget to like, subscribe, share, and review this podcast because all your positive interactions help us reach a bigger audience. Danny J. Quick, what's up? Hey, buddy? yo, you know, it's crazy that we got uh, Mr. Eric Larson in the in the intro. And, you know, with the guests that we have coming on today, like mm-hmm. we might just run the whole the whole gamut. Like we might just have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> just get what everybody from 90s image everybody's from, everybody's from 90s image we're gonna have to get them all on the show eventually okay i mean i'm down i mean wh- whoever you can get i'm willing to have oh, i'm on. not the, i'm not the get people person the, oh. you know you got the influence you don't want got the influence you got the <laughs> you got the influence in the in the know-how to get people together man and i, and I appreciate you for that uh, it's just called being annoying and asking respectfully. That's all. Respectfully. There it is. There it is. That's the all part right. that I missed. That's the part yeah. that I missed. Man, how you been doing? Uh, I've been tired. Somebody has me playing Fortnite on Fridays, so I'm in exhausted. What? That was your that was your idea. That was your idea to play Fortnite late on Fridays. I'm up. It wasn't late for I, me. My eyes are literally closing. My controller wasn't working last night or nothing. And I'm that's why you died. That's, that's, and that's why I died. But you died before me several times. So That's because your dumb butt kept running off. Oh, oh so it's my fault. It's my yes. fault you kept dying. It's my yes. fault. You were like, hey, there's gunshots. Let's run that way. I'm like, no, you're supposed to run away from gunshots. You're supposed to run no. away from gunshots. No, no. Run towards the gunfire in video games. Mm-mm. Um, But that's the only place. Good morning to everybody in the comments. Javon Stokes in the building. William Withers. Uh, Jewel um, and Mr. Fish Comics. Thank y'all for joining early this morning. Um, you want you want to go ahead and do it, Kyron? I mean, no, no. This this is your specialty to introduce people. So go ahead. I know you got not. something planned. I know you got something planned. It's not you. I, no, it's on you. You got it this time. No, no. I'm letting you do this because I know I can see it in your mind that you have something special. So go ahead. I don't have anything special, but we do have special guests today, ladies and gentlemen, for the hundred and first episode of the foretells podcast we have uh the legendary <laughs> tribe creators mr todd johnson and larry stroman in the building uh, welcome to the show gentlemen how you doing this morning pretty good oh no i feel like i gotta go like this they did this i gotta feel like i gotta do like this too <laughs> it's cold but i feel okay oh well, well, how yeah, cold is it it's about 10 degrees Oh, oh here it's about 12. Oh no. Oh man. Uh 
No. North Carolina hasn't quite gotten that low yet. It's been chilly out here, but it hasn't gotten quite that low. And and Kyron's in Sacramento, so he never he'll never experience us. <laughs> we get to the thirties every once in a while. The thirties, right? That's about it. That's oh, now you're bragging. <laughs> <laughs> Literally bragging. Now, actually, I lived in California for a few years, so actually, when your body gets used to whatever the weather is, mm-hmm. when it drops about ten or fifteen degrees, you're freezing. So mm-hmm. I would be there, and they'd be like, "Oh, it's freezing." I'm like, "It's 50 degrees." Like, wow. <laughs> yes. No. That's that's crazy. Um, I love the weather out here in North Carolina. You can literally get rain, snow, and sunshine all in the same day sometimes. So, um, yeah. Um, but welcome to the show. Um, for those for the the four or five people who may not know who you guys are, would you please give us a, a short introduction? Um, of who you are, the work that you've done in comics, and um, you know why you're here today. We'll start with you, Todd. Uh, my name is Todd Johnson, and I'm the writer and uh, co-creator of the Tribe comic series. That's my uh, entire comic history, other than uh, I used to throw comic shows, and with Larry Strowman and my partner, Hassan Nurla, we used to own a, uh, a chain, a four-chain uh, comic store called Comics Cafe in Detroit. Comics Cafe is important too. Don't 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 leave out Comics Cafe. That's the kind of the start of of, of all of this, the of, of the journey for you, I think. So there um, you go. There you go. Absolutely. That's very important. Um, Mr. Stoneman, what introduction of yourself, please. You your son of blurry. Say that again. Uh, give us an intro uh, for you, if you don't mind. Man, I've been in this business for a long time. I barely can remember much of it. <laughs> I, started, I think I started in nineteen eighty four. And the first thing I was known for was doing a book called Alien Legion, which was a science fiction action uh, uh, super, uh, not a superhero action uh, comic book. And I was allowed to draw that book for like seven years, which helped me to develop to the point of becoming a legitimate professional, as far as I thought. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in the time of doing that book was when I had met Todd. You know, past that point, I started graduating up to more and more stuff, and I eventually got to doing uh, the more high-profile ca- uh, characters at Marvel, and then eventually I, I got onto doing uh, X Factor, and then um, after I left X Factor was when I went to do Book Tribe, which is pretty much what we're talking about today. Oh wow! So so you 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 two met before you were on X Factor, then I thought that. For some reason, I thought that you met after your work on um, on X Men, but my timeline is obviously messed no, up. No, it was during the time around the around the, the last few years of me doing Alien Legion was when we had met. Yeah, we started in uh, our first comic store. We had we had decided to start throwing conventions, mm-hmm. and everybody in the store, me, my partner, and most of our people that we had been pushing the book to, we just really loved the art on Alien Legion. Okay. So we started reaching out to throw our first convention. He was on a list of one of the guys that we were trying to reach out to because we were mostly just reaching out to artists that we enjoyed because it was a small show. And, uh, you know, the, the interesting story is, you know, back then there was no Internet and all that. You didn't have all these pictures of people and things like that. So we thought Larry Stroman was an older white guy, like most of the people. <laughs> at so when I finally uh, was able to ring ring his number in, I uh, talked to his then wife at the time, and she was like, you know, we arranged all the details through her. I never talked to Larry. 
So mm. finally, as far as picking up somebody from the airport, I said, OK, I described myself, which she was laughing the whole time. You know, maybe she was thinking I was a white guy, too. That's what I ended up figuring out. But when I asked her to say, OK, well, describe Larry, she said, uh, you don't know what he looks like? I said, no. I said, I thought he was, a, you know, you know, older white gentleman, something like that. And she just busted out laughing and she said he looked like Teddy Pendergrast. Hey, there <laughs> we go. That was, black. that was back when my beard was actually black. So I started laughing. I was like, wait a second, this dude is a brother. And she just busted out laughing. So, you know, so from there, you know, the first time I met Larry, he flew in town with uh, Bart Sears and I believe a guy named Richard Case. I can't remember, but I think it was, it was definitely Bart Sears. So the story well, about I, what I got for a lot of years is people coming up in front of me at a show and, and just standing there staring. And I said, yes, it's me. <laughs> and then I remember one guy in particular, he came up and I'm sitting there with all my stuff there. I'm drawing. I have my name tag on and he comes up and he says, uh, could you tell me when Mr. Stroman will return to the table? Yes. And I said, oh, I said he went to the bathroom. I said, he'll be back in about 10 minutes. So the guy leaves. And then the guy comes back and says, hey. And I said, no, hey, you. I said, you just assumed that I was not the guy. I said, I'm right yeah. here with the man. Because yeah. people just were not used to seeing black dudes doing comics at the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, that's, I, that, that's a fairly recent thing. Like, I remember the first time I went to a big convention uh, after years of not going to shows and I saw like three guys there who were black. And I'm like, wow. I said, I said I've never seen as many black people at a convention before, you know, who were professionals. Yeah. And, you know, now it's just a lot of, a lot of people, especially because of the internet and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people are doing it now. We would get that even at shows. Our first San Diego show we did together when Tribe came out. We're the only two guys sitting at our table with a booth behind us with said tribe and blah, blah, blah. There's placards on the desk that said Todd Johnson and Larry Stroman. He's drawing a sketch and I'm sitting there arranging the books. And the guy said the same thing he just said. When's Mr. Johnson, Mr. Stroman going to be here? <laughs> and, and, and we said the same thing. They'll be here in about a half hour. <laughs> you know, and the guy just walked away. I'm using it. I'm using that. Uh, we yeah. heard similar things from uh, we had Daryl Banks on the show, and he said, "Wait, wait, wait! wait. I got it. I'm fanning out here." So, last season we had Daryl Banks. That was your your fanboy moment. For me, Larry Stroman is my fanboy moment here, because <laughs> like you guys mentioned, we didn't have internet, so we didn't know what you guys looked like. And growing up, I saw <laughs> I was introduced to X Factor '80 uh, just based off the cover. I saw it in a newsstand, and I was like, "This is wild looking. This is crazy." And your artwork, uh, Mr. Stroman, just made me go back and buy all the X Factor books that you were on up to that point. It was like only like a 10, 12 issue run you did. But I was like, I have to buy everything that this man this man does because his artwork is just fantastic. And then when I found out through like, I want to say it was a Wizard magazine or something, what you looked like, I was like, it's a black dude drawing this. <laughs> One of my favorite artists right now is black. And being a young black man reading comics was not cool at the time. You know, we were, we were persecuted. We were bullied about stuff like that. So seeing that there were people that looked like me drawing comics, I was like, I, this is now something I want to do. So I want to thank you, Mr. Truman, for being you know, a part of my, my, you know, I've been hearing that story about the being picked on because you read comics practically my whole life. Mm -hmm. 
man, I would parade my comics around people. You know, I'd be holding, if I had a t-shirt that had a comic character on it, I would have been wearing that shirt mm -hmm. because my whole thing was, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. So this is what I love. This is, this is what I'm into. So it just, it just never affected me when I do grade school through high school nobody ever picked on me about it nothing you know mm, yeah so when i hear people say that i don't understand where that even comes from yeah um, i didn't i didn't get picked on for for comics because i didn't start reading i didn't really start reading comics until i was you know i had my first job um but it was it was anime for me it was pokemon and you know it was just like a little niche thing that only two or three people in school did and we were like really loud about it so, you know, we got those awkward looks, but, you know, I think it made it, I think it gave me character. So, you know, I never, I never complained about it. <laughs> well, we actually started off watching the original stuff that was imported from Japan back when we were kids. And it was only a few shows, but it didn't have a name to it. It was just, it was just a cartoon. Just cartoon. And then later on, when I would go to shows, I would hear people talk about, Japanimation. I'm like, what the hell is Japanimation? And then I realized that that's, they were making reference to stuff that was coming from overseas. And then later on it became anime. And then I was like, what, what in the world is anime? I don't even know what that is. And then somebody had to explain that to me. So it changes depending on who it is who's watching it and what they think about it and all that kind of stuff. Well, at the time you didn't even know the things like Speed Racer and Kimba and all that kind of stuff. We didn't know that was even coming from Japan. You know, mm, yeah. you're just watching it because you were a kid and you're like, oh, this is great. You know, Astro Boy, whatever, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, I, I had a similar experience. Um, but we're here. We're here to talk about, of course, the 30th anniversary of the Legendary Tribe. So um, I'll be honest. I actually hadn't. I knew about Tribe, but I did not. I had not re actually read the comics until this week i had actually not read the tribe comics of course you i can say that. that right now dude i'm, <laughs> Larry, I'm just, just quick off the cameras and, and just show. i told y'all i told y'all i didn't start reading comics until i was an adult and so i was 17 18 years old so by then tribe was a thing you know i'd come and gone but you know i knew of the legend of tribe of, of course being a being a comic book creator now myself, I'd heard about the comics and I knew the story of Tribe, but I actually had not gone and read the comics until this week. So I went back and I read the comics and I'm like, this is this is a great story. Like for it to be four issues, strong characters, um, lots of action, good comedy. Um, the art, of course, is amazing. So, um, you know, from from a newer comic book, <laughs> he said, just took right, off the camera to leave. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the people were asking to click him off camera. So um. uh, <laughs> I can't see. I can't be honest on my own show. Yeah, can, I can't be can honest on my own show. That's, that's no, not, I just want you, to say, you know, when you when you when you do something, when you do something. It's 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 about you and whatever the, the thing is that you're doing, and then it, and then it goes out into the world. Mm -hmm. But you're not really you're not really sure how it's being re, uh, accepted or yeah. or not accepted. So time goes by, and then more time goes by, and then more time goes by, and the next thing you know people are popping up saying, "Oh yeah, I remember." And the thing that was always funny to us is that most of the, a lot of people who remember the book don't remember even what the book was called 
they'll say, you know, that book that had, wait a minute, wasn't it that book that had that black cover with the yeah. gold name thing? And we say, yeah. So what I'm happy about it, with that was we made a specific decision to do the look, uh, to have that particular, from that particular cover because it stood out amongst what everybody else was doing at the time. Hmm. And to this day, people still talk about that cover. Yeah, it's an iconic cover because it's so simplistic, but it's it's just eye-catching no matter what. So I can see why even to this day, people still love it. See, Danny, oh. Danny, the reason why you didn't know about Try before then, because watching all that Pokemon stuff fried your brain. <laughs> you, just, you didn't know what direction to go. <laughs> right. I, listen, I, I that's probably right. That's probably right. Um I do have, I got one question that I got to ask you, Mr. Stroman. Uh, reading, like I said, I went back and I read all all four issues. Of course, I didn't know that the zero issue was actually the the last issue, you know, of the, of the series. Uh, so I had started with this one, but, you know, I realized quickly that, you know, I had to go back and read one through three. I, I got to know, who did you model Rosalind after? <laughs> That's always the question. That's always the question. <laughs> What it was is me and Todd were talking. We were talking on the phone one day. And while we were talking, I was just doing this drawing from some picture that I saw in some, I'm not going to say what kind of magazine it was, but it was in a magazine. Mm. So I'm just drawing this from this picture. And, and then I just put this costume on her. And then I faxed it over to him uh, while we were talking on the phone. And next thing I know, I hear somebody laughing in the background. And and then he wanted to know what the deal was, and then and then the woman shows it to him, and then he starts laughing, and that was a point in which I said, okay, well let's let's add this character into the book. So the story right. I always make reference to was when Disney did uh, the movie Bambi. The main focus of this of, of of the cartoon was the was Bambi and what Bambi was going through. So they said they added all these little like other small characters into the into the thing. So the very last character they put in was this character named Thumper. Mm. They just threw that character in, and it turns out that character was the most popular character in the whole Bambi. I, I don't even remember Bambi, but I remember <laughs> Thumper. <laughs> right? So it was the same kind of thing. Sometimes things are just complete accidents, mm. and that's mm. why. In most cases, you shouldn't even hold back on what it is you might want to do. You just you just throw stuff out there. Now, one of the things we constantly talk about is one of the biggest mistakes that people that that uh, uh, younger people do when they're creating comics and stuff is that they tend to just go by what they're familiar with. When in actuality, the stuff that people pay attention to is the stuff that they are not familiar with. Hmm. So, if you want to do your own character based on a Spider-Man character. In the end, you're still just doing Spider-Man. He just, his costume is different. His skin color is different, but it's still just Spider-Man. Hmm. And and if you have a ton of books that are done exactly like this, eventually people are just not interested in it. So what you have to do, which is kind of what we did, was you just say, hey, what can I put in this book that, that I either haven't seen somewhere before or most people are not that familiar with. 
And you start adding stuff in. And next thing you know, people will react to what you're trying to do as if it's something original. It's not really original. It's just you've just been better at the references in which you've used to put that thing together. That's part of the whole creation process. Same way, movies are the same way. Yeah, and and both of you guys being creators, you would understand that that people are not trying to purchase your version of a very popular character. They want to see what's in the mind of Danny Quick. They want to see what's in the mind of Kyrene Silva. You know, you know, I'm saying they want to know your experience. So each creator is bringing their their environment and their their whole experience throughout their life into what they create. So that would be why your jokes would be different than mine or uh, your background of your characters would be different than Larry's. I mean, that's that's what they're purchasing. You basically want to put you in your in your creativity and then that's how you build your fan base, you know? Hmm. Love it. Now, Todd, before Tribe, what um, what is your background <laughs> as far as writing is concerned? I wrote a lot of really uh, good poems and stuff to women, oh. and that's how I got my wife. You know, that's yeah. Larry, right before I got married is when I met Larry. So he liked some of the poems I wrote to my wife. You know. Okay. Hey, that's that's crazy. That's how I got my wife too. I wrote our little song. There you go. My, <laughs> my background in writing is just strictly writing. I hadn't done anything professionally or had anything you know prior to Tribe. I just I'm a comic. Comic geek, comic nerd, comic fan, whichever whichever title you want to put on it, I was the super one of all that. I mean, I collected everything. I had a comic store. I've collected since I was a kid. So you're constantly writing about what you wanted to do with your stuff. You know, I got some very embarrassing pencil drawings and stuff, you know, that you know I've shown that's like look horrible because <laughs> I can't draw. But you know, you you just you bring that all to bear. So actually, you know, Larry gave me my first chance, you know. I, I find it interesting, um, Mr. Johnson, because I, another creator that I know, you know, he started in comic book stores. He was he was working in a comic book store here for um, five or ten years before he, you know, published his first comic. But the knowledge that he gained in um, retail and then knowing the industry and being able to meet people really helped him um navigate you know it really propelled him instantly when he put out his first comic when he put out his first creator comic creator own comic and then you know he started you know pitching books to image and things like that so i wonder um do you think your insight as a comic book store owner um helped helped at all with um with i think i think definitely I i think definitely because as a a background to how you even think about comics you you expand past your own knowledge or your own thoughts about it because you're sitting there talking to dozens of people every week and how they react to different comics that come out and how they react to things and you you kind of learn along the way the types of things people like and the, and the type and more importantly for me I'm on I'm more on the marketing side so you also kind of start to understand what people are looking for is even as far as like the flash and the hype and the and the and the, what make what draws you to a particular thing more than other thing because you know as we all know you go in the comic store there's thousands of books unless you have an unlimited budget you have to choose based on what you heard about something or what a cover looks like or kind of any of the uh, additional hype or promotion that went into letting you know that you even know about this book so there's a lot of things that there's a lot of great stuff out there. It just gets forgotten because nobody knows about it. And that's well, what speaking, my- speaking of promotion, I got I got I got to say this. I first learned about 
you, Danny, shoot, a year, year and a half, however long ago it was, because it seemed like every time I turned on the internet, some video of yours was on there. I mean, everywhere. I'm like, who's this dude? He's everywhere all the time. Whether I went on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. There you were. And and then I was right on the verge of blocking you. (laughs) I saw that you was in the comics. I'm like, oh, no, this dude is cool. I said, I just keep keep this dude. And then I started seeing more and more comic-related type stuff. So, you know, I want, I want to say one little housekeeping thing about the show in itself. You know, Chiron, you said that the way that you get your guests and stuff is by being annoying and asking respectfully. So I just want to let the know your whole audience and Danny's audience know that there was no annoying things going on. And I had to be respectful. This was just this was just four dudes that all collect comics. And the same thing. You reached out, said you want to be on the show. So we are honored. We are honored, seriously, that you guys chose to put us on the show at such a last minute and help us, you know, promote what we're doing and all that. I don't want people thinking it's just some kind of annoying guy. <laughs> no, it's just an inside joke with us. You know, our oh, audience knows that. So, that up. It's all good here. So oh, yeah. we do want to talk about the future no, of Tribe. I mean, this is the 30th anniversary. Do you guys have something planned for the future past this fight? Yeah, we're going to make uh, some big announcements in February. Oh, well, oh. there you go. Oh, wait. What, what? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> just, oh just, just. Well, well, the pictures are, be- pictures are better than words, but we are going to make I a big announcement in February that we plan on bringing back Tribe this spring. So that's the that's the that's the long and short of it, right there. Tribe is coming back, and not just uh, we are going to revamp the old issues into a trade paperback. But this okay. will be all brand new material, starting right off at what would have been continuing off the four issue story. Nice. Okay. okay. I was because so, I was what I just showed what I just showed is something I'm doing for Danny. Yeah, you I want to show that again. So I wasn't expecting that, Mr. Stroman. I appreciate it. I wasn't even going to bring it up, but you know, I listen. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, he, he gave you a little Danny, so I'm just going to give you a little try. Oh, oh man. Okay. All right. Okay. Just, 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 just a little. Oh. So Ooh, there, okay. there, is, there is new stuff coming. Nice. <laughs> hey, see. See, uh, listen. This is the place. This, see, this is the place to be. Thank y'all for coming on so much. Um, that's so. I was definitely gonna ask about, um, you know, the future of Tribe, and of course, like I said, since I just read the comics, you know, the the cliffhanger of, you know, so, some, uh, somebody just somebody just posted. I block Danny twice a week. It never takes. <laughs> I, I got multiple accounts. I got multiple accounts. You got to block, block multiple accounts. It's like the cockroach like, a little like bit. can't get rid of them. That's, that's the real world, man. That's right. That's right. No. Um, but yeah, the the like I said, the story is just so impactful. And I and I read somewhere that your your original intent with um with tribe was to have over two hundred members or something like that. Is it is is that true? That is true. Okay. We have we have many obviously with a four issue run, we didn't even get to uh you know scratch the surface of what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. But uh hopefully we're about to uh we're about to fix that. Nice. You know, that's, okay. We all we always joke around that people say things like the phrase, you know, tr- you know, tribe came and came and went or come and gone and all that kind of stuff. But you know, we feel like tribe never left, you know. 
Right. As long as long as there's somebody still out there talking about it or doing a show or or doing an interview and stuff, we're still here. So now it's a put up or shut up type thing now, you know, instead of just talking about it, you know, better to show you. I, I, um, I remember reading about you, uh, Mr. Johnson, that you were a DJ promoter or, or a club promoter or a DJ, things like that. And if I'm not mistaken, one of the characters, I think it was Front, was also a club promoter, DJ. Were you writing yourself into Tribe in a way? No, you're not writing yourself into Tribe. You're writing your experiences into Tribe, you know, and, and I think every writer does that in some shape or form. Some people put their actual self or their family members and you wouldn't even know. I put Danny on all my comics I made. <laughs> but most creators are putting the sum total of all their experiences. I started out as a DJ in high school, and I still deal with the DJ business. My daughter's a DJ. I, I throw electronic music events here in Detroit. So that part of who you are as far as music, doing house, house music events and electronic events, that's who you are. So that's obviously going to spill out in anything you write or you think or anything else. Yeah, um, and you and I and I heard you say the hype earlier. Of course, that brings me back to the comics, um, with the the first, you know, the first storyline being about this club, and um, you know, the the villains wanting the hype, and of course, the double entendre of what that means. So, um, yeah, I see, I see, I see what you're doing. See it, like, like, uh, like we said, you know, even though that was your first role in comics, I, we can all we can all tell that you're an amazing storyteller, and well, thank uh, you. you know, it doesn't hurt to have the amazing art of, of Mr. Stroman there. Um, I, I'll say, um, I want to say I sent Kyron a picture the other day of a Wolverine that you drew um, back in the day. And it's one of my favorite Wolverines, but I can't, like I said, I didn't get into comics until the early 2000s, like into fit, reading physical comics. So was that the um, the Wolverine that you drew back in? Um, well, let, back me, let me ask you this first. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you got in the comics, did you just go forward or did you go backwards? Um, I went forward at first, but um, a lot of people in the community told me, you know, you got to go back to to really, um, to really understand and appreciate the things that are coming out now. So, um, most of the stuff that I collect now is back issues. Like I still read some current stuff, like I'm reading Transformers, and I read a lot of indie books. But most of the stuff I'm I collect now is like old runs. Like I just I just got the um, Namor run um, when when the movie came out because I wanted to see what the characters were like. You know, um, when when they first came out, you know, in comparison to the stuff that they're doing in the movies and stuff. So I still I go back now and for probably the last six, seven years, I've been going back to read, you know, um, read the original stuff that came out. If I can find it, you know, I, some I, of that I, got this, days. I got into this argument with a guy once and he was telling me that he had uh, the first issue of X-Men. Mm. And I said, I don't think you have the first issue of X-Men. <laughs> he said, no, no. He said, that he, he swore up and down. He hit the first issue of the X-Men. I said, I don't think you have it. He said, yeah. I said, I said, let me ask you this. I said, did the cover fold out in like four sections? And he says, yeah. I said, did it have Wolverine on the cover? And I said, yeah. I said, that is not the first X-Men. <laughs> you and six million other people. And that's <laughs> when I just asked you about, did you go backwards? Because a lot of people don't go backwards. They start at a certain point and then they just keep going. Yeah, I think yeah. it's very important to know the history of a lot of this stuff so you can understand it more. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was going to ask you. Um, um, the, the, the characters that you drew, um, especially like for X-Men, like I said, that's one of my f favorite pieces um, that I saw. I think I saw it in an auction somewhere. But yeah, that one right there. Um, no, that was, was a that was a Wolverine issue. 
Okay, okay. That was Wolverine. Um, was that um somebody else's design that you um then put your style on, or did you you know have a hand in in this um this style? Because I know the the I, I don't know what you mean by style. Um, let me think. Let me think. No, you said somebody else's design. I don't even, I don't know what you mean by that. Well, I know that, like we just said, that six million copy of, of X Men, you know, had the the brown and yellow Wolverine, but um, just your art style, and I and I got a question about this later because I heard that you said style mostly comes from um, solving a problem. Yeah, um, your in, your inability to solve a problem, you come up with a solution, and the solution mm -hmm. is what is eventually called a style. Mm -hmm. So right. the people with the best styles were the ones that really could not figure out what they were doing. So they had to come out, they had to come out with another way of solving that problem. Yeah. Okay. Hey, well, I think you solved some some great problems because <laughs> I like that. But the, thing, but the thing is, it's always a frustrating thing to know that even though you came up with something that people liked, that the bottom line is you still didn't learn how to do that thing that you felt you were not good at. Hmm. I, I would disagree. I think you. I think you do, do it pretty good. I, I heard. No, I I'm talking about. I'm talking about within yourself. Okay. That's how yeah. you feel like within yourself. Okay. Okay. Well, I love okay, it. Da Danny, we're 30 minutes in. It's time oh, yeah. for you to say one thing about Ace Blade. Um, <laughs> Ace Blade is Ace Blade is a purple superhero ninja dude. I, I don't know. That's it. That's it. All right. Long, long, and, long I got, it's and I got some art. I got some cover art coming from Mr. Larry Strowman that y'all look out for. In the near and it's time for you to say something about Taurus Comics. Uh, you can buy all my comics at TaurusComics.com right there. there uh, they're go. available for on digital and uh, floppy. So, yeah, get them. Uh, Solar number four is coming soon. That's my marketing lesson 101 for both of you. <laughs> yes. No, but our show is to promote you guys. We don't want to promote ourselves. We can do that every day. It's all about promoting everybody. It's all about us all. You know, this is the synergy of all of it to get, you know. Yeah. So, to be honest, you know, it's like. We all feed off each other. Everybody, everybody eats. You know. I will say, Mr. Johnson, I I did see an interview that, and it changed my perspective on something. You were talking about um, comic book conventions and having to kind of clock in for comic book conventions and and see it as work. Now, some some people in the comments might tell you, I'm the type of person I'll go to the comic book convention and, and I'll leave my table, you know, because I'm there as a fan. Also, like if if you know Daryl Banks is there, I'm gonna go and try to like if it's slow or something, I'll just go and try to do whatever. But uh, you know, the people that I come with always say, "Man, you you be gone for an hour." You know, people come by, and I'm like, "Well, that's what y'all are here for." You know, I I got, I got stuff no, on. I, I do exactly the same thing. I've had people say, <laughs> "Do you ever sit down at your table?" No. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I guess it's just a style of which way you came from. Like Larry, Larry is what I call a roamer. You know, he, you know, he. You know, he goes to roam around and see what he's going to see or meet people or whatever. I'm more of a clock in. This, mm -hmm. is, this is what we're here for. You've invested money. You've invested time. And I'm here to go to work, you know, and whatever. And there, there is no slow time. There is right, there's right. just because if there's slow time, that means I'm not doing my job to bring more people over to the table. If I got to go to the end of the aisle and drag you down there to hear what I got to right. say, that's, you know, and, you know, once you punch in. All those people that you want to meet and stuff, they're not going anywhere. You can you yeah. can meet them for breakfast. You can you can see them for dinner, or 
you can get their number, whatever, whatever you want to do. So I, I just think to maximize the amount of marketing time you have to sell things, that's all these shows are for, you know, unless yeah, you're there. For, now, if you're there that you just went there to show your portfolio or to pitch a pitch a story or something like that, that's a different type of networking situation you're going into. But when we were going to shows, we were more in the sales and marketing and promotion mode. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just to each his own, to each his own. That's a good portion of me recently, the last few years, it shows us, I just want to go and have a good time. So a lot of that, a lot of people can't get up and move from their table because they're concerned about having to pay for their table and pay for other things. Mm -hmm. So I get up and I go over and speak to artists and, and, and people, other publishers and stuff. I do, I do that all the time. I like that one of the one of the people, one of the viewers, Kenji, who's a very talented artist out of Detroit himself, just said we should just hire a bunch of pretty girls to work the booth. Mm. You know. Another idea we had, which somebody's gonna steal from us, we were gonna get full life-size blow-ups. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 cardboard blow-ups of, of, of us that we would set at the table whenever we left. So people know <laughs> whose table it was when they came by. Hey, well, I'll tell you something that'll work if y'all are going back on the road. Um, if you get some some Rosalind cosplayers, I think y'all I think y'all have some people at your booths. I'll just say that. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, ready, but yeah, no, I, think, I, 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 I think used to be married to one of those. There we oh. go. There we go. <laughs> no. I'll say, uh, yeah, I think I think like you said, especially the the with the price of tables and you know the price of getting to these conventions these days, you know, for me, I think you know, especially this year, um, with the shows I do, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that mentality of clocking in and you know being serious about selling for the time that that the people are there to buy, and then you know maybe before and after the show, you know, I can I can meet with other creators and stuff like that, but I definitely gotta to clock in and get into uh, marketing mode for sure. Well, the advantage you have now, Danny, is is because of the internet and because of how you have things now with Facebook and Instagram and inboxing people, you can set up the type of business type stuff you want to do before you even get there. So, mm -hmm. you, you know, you can stay in the mode of selling what you're selling, but you can already have, there's certain people you want to, you know, have some conversation with or whatever. You can already, you know, set up lunch with them or dinner or meet them the next day or whatever, you know, just maximize every moment of your time. Like, each moment has to fulfill something money-wise or promotion-wise or whatever you're trying to do. Everybody has a different agenda. Some people are doing it just for fun or just as a hobby. But whatever it is you're trying to do, make sure you know that before you even book these shows, including just booking a show, because everything that glitters is not gold. Mm -hmm. So people are going to these shows because they think that's a cool thing to do, but they haven't really broke down dollar for dollar whether their time, their travel, their hotel, their booth fee, all that is even worth what they're going to sell. You know, sell when you take twenty books or whatever that have a five dollar cover price. Okay, your maximum is a hundred dollars. Mm. Okay, but you spent a thousand dollars in this whole package. Yeah. So where's that other hundred opportunity coming I, from? I know there's one guy. He went to the show, and um, between all the stuff that he paid for, including the hotel and bringing his family down or whatever. He had made, uh, I mean, he paid, it cost him about $1,400 altogether. So by the time he left that show three days later, this dude made $10. Mm, 
ten dollars. So, so what could you have been doing with your time that could have, you know, derived some money for real? Because there's many ways to make money or to or to sell your character. It's not always making money because some of it is networking and awareness and things like that. But I think sometimes the shows nowadays, what we've noticed, I mean, we've been out, you know, 25 years as far as, you know, actually vending at a show and stuff. But the shows have gotten to be more about just the people throwing the shows, maximizing what they need to maximize. And the creators, for the we first, still For the first bunch of years that I was in comics, Artist Alley was free. All you had to do a show about the show, and they would just let you set up an artist alley. True statement. But what, what began to happen is people began to sell books, and then other people who paid for tables said, well, we might as well go over to artist alley rather than pay for a table to sell our books. And then the shows mm -hmm. caught on to that, and then they started charging everybody. And so now only the pe people who are invited as a guest get free, you know, get free artist alley, free trip free hotel and and i just for the life of me don't understand how people even make money at these shows anymore because it costs so much just to be at the show it's it's hard you know and that's why you see a lot of these artists with their prints that are like 20 30 because that's the only way they can make money back until there's yeah. a revolt yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you everybody, agree with you. everybody teams up together and throws their own show Hint, hint. I will say, I, I will say that uh, there are some 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 creator-owned shows coming up, like um, Atlantic Comic Con um, by Greg Burnham, um, a good friend of mine, and and you know another comic book creator, past guest of the and, show, um, past guest of the show, absolutely. Yep. And um, you know those those shows are usually a little better for for smaller for small or indie creators, I'll say. And we got a lot of indie creators. Um, those have been better in the past. The prices are, are just a little bit better. And then, you know, they're usually willing to work with you. So, um, you know, if y'all are going out on the road, you know, Atlantic Comic Con is one that I say I, I would definitely say to check out. It's their first year and they could absolutely use um, some legends like you helping them out. It's a Daron Flood, right? Um, yeah, Daron Flood and, and, and um, Greg Burnham. Yeah. Yes. Good guys. Absolutely. Good guys. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> this I'm ready, Kyron. Okay. Well, I mean, this is where you usually set things up. I mean, okay. Well, this is the this is the time. This is the part of the show. Um, if if anybody hasn't seen the show before, um, we're about to do a little section called Quick Takes, um, with Mr. Todd Johnson and Larry Strowman. It's going to be a rapid fire Q and A session, um, where we'll give you uh, five questions. I got two two and a half for both of you, and uh, you'll have forty five seconds to answer each one of them. So, uh, Kyron, when you're ready, let's these are the gotcha questions, Larry. No gotcha questions at all. Nothing like that. They all gotcha uh, questions. Um, hopefully, hopefully these will be uh, questions that um, give people a little more insight into you as people and in, into um, the creative process. So um, question number one, this one is for you, uh, Mr. Johnson. Um, I heard that you are a Star Trek fan. I heard that you grew up as a Star Trek fan. And, um, you know, I, being a Star Trek fan as well as Kyron, I wonder if you could only keep one Star Trek series, um, which one would you keep and why? Original. Only because I'm usually the source material is what usually I'm very interested in. So it's not that I'm disparaging any of the other uh, things, but the original Captain Kirk, Spock, the whole Federation thing was all built on the original. 
And and I actually liked the original better across the board. And everything that was good that came after that was still based on that original material. So original all day. It's a solid answer. I'm a I'm a, a DS9 guy myself. Love Captain Cisco. Uh, Love all Space of Space Nine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I need to go back and watch that. See, speaking of going back, I need to go back. I couldn't I couldn't watch the original series because I was introduced with Voyager. And for some reason, just the I couldn't do it. But I'm gonna go back and watch that. Your, your brain was routed out by a lot of the stuff that you watched <laughs> when you were younger. And and it's Pokemon messing up for life. You know what it is too, Danny, though your your age is an imprint on things you like sometimes too. Okay. Yeah, I true. I was born in sixty one. So when Star Trek came out, most people didn't even see it when it first aired. They started seeing it on reruns. In Detroit, they were rerunning it, rerunning it like in yep. the late 60s, early 70s. So that was the science fiction you were exposed to right then. So that was like a, you know, you know, and I'm like eight, nine years old. That was an early entry of just just diving into those shows. So it's hard to get that first imprint off, off of your brain. There's well, in those early days. There was only a handful of things that we had to watch on television. And then television yes. went off at 12 o'clock at night. And there was no, there were no videos. There was no internet. You know, yeah. Yeah. if you didn't watch, if you didn't see what was on TV, you went outside and played. So, <laughs> you know, so it was, it was stuck. When, video, when videos finally came around, uh, then, you know, you could go to places and rent these things or buy them or whatever. And then that eventually graduated into the internet and DVDs and all that other kind of stuff. But we and were very limited on what we saw. So we had to really, you know, kind of just deal with just that. And of course, when you go back and look at some of the old stuff you liked as a kid, it's in your head. But some of it is embarrassing to go back and look at like William Shatner in the Indian outfit talking about I am Kurok wow. and all the other different <laughs> stuff that was like corny. But man, you're talking about this is your childhood stuff. This is not, you don't start, you know, re-editing your, your whole thing that brought you. It's like, I see people going on talking about comics, talking about what a terrible writer Stan Lee was at the first Spider-Man and stuff like that. I mean, come on. You can't take 2023 judgment on a 1960-something mm -hmm. issue of a, of a whole industry that was just beginning. It's, it's not even fair. Right. But yet you guys, almost the whole industry is based on what a few guys had spill out of their head back then. And now because you love this latest version of Venom or Spider-Man or whatever, you're, you're, you're shitting on where it came from. You know, so I'm, I'm more of a original source material guy. So I will be stuck like that all the time. Absolutely. OK. All right. Question number two. This one is for you, Mr. Stroman. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about how you said um, style comes from solving a problem. So I wonder, which problems have you solved with your style? I haven't solved any of the problems. That's why the style exists. <laughs> None of it got solved. I, I still don't like drawing cars. I hate drawing buildings. I'm not, I've never been good at drawing hair. Um, you know, and, and, and there's just a lot of stuff I just never I never got good at. So the style replaced, you know, me being able to figure that stuff out. And because people like the style, that's why I stuck with the style. Uh, yes, people people definitely liked them. And I remembered you talking about um, hair specifically 
And then I saw the uh, the reporter character. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name. The reporter character in Tribe. And I was like, the way, the way that you drew her hair was just dope to me. Like, you could see the texture in it, you know, but it's... But anyway, okay. I, her name was Dawn Hennessy, and I'm starting to see a theme with you, Danny. You seem to like all the thick girls in the, in the, in the Tribe. <laughs> <laughs> If you see my wife, you'd understand. Um, we, don't, we don't see uh, your wife dress up as Rosalind for Halloween this year, aren't we? If, right, if she dressed up, I'll leave that alone. Up, y'all, y'all won't see it if she dresses up. I promise. Um, okay, <laughs> question number three. <laughs> question number three. Um, for um, this one is for you, um, Todd. Um, so I know you have, I know you have some experience um, with comic book shops, and and comic book shops have been. You know, taking a lot of flack today. They're they're becoming people say, oh, they they only sell manga and pop dolls. You know, now you know that's the that's the only thing that people are buying and, and keeping the stores open. So, if you could save comic shops um, in forty five seconds, what advice would you give the, the comic book store owner? Close. <laughs> You're safe now. No, not all kidding aside, I think comic stores are the very nature of how the business and the trends go. So mm. if you see somebody moving into whatever it is, pogs or posters or uh, the big Funko dolls or whatever they are, it's because they're trying to survive. Their base might be comics, but the nature of how distribution and, and the percentage that you get, you are operating on some very low margins. So I think I think the thing is you're trying to get a product mix within your store, which is going to fit whatever your environment is. But I think if everybody would kind of take another peek at their marketing, it's not always about selling more. It's all it's about adding clientele. So the marketing will you got to get more people in your store. It's like those uh, comic book stores that have like barbershops and, um, mm -hmm. you know, they couldn't hear and, and or selling coffee, you know, yeah. whatever. It's by any means necessary once you have a lease and insurance and employees, you know, and, and you're diehard. You went into that basically because you were a comic fan. There's nobody that I know that ever went into comic retailing thinking, oh, I'm about to open up the next, you know, whatever, you know, Kinko's or something. Are you going to make a whole bunch of money? You're thinking, I am a fan. I love this. I love this genre. I love comics. I want to do the comic store that I was not getting from whatever my local store I used to go to. If you talk to a lot of comic store guys or girls, they came from a situation where the comic store they used to frequent was not serving them the way they wanted to be served. So you're going to go do your version of the best comic store that you could dish out, you know, and that's what happens. And then you find out that the margins are so low, <laughs> you just created another hobby for yourself, you know. That's really what it became, you know. It, you know, it's not. So you find like a lot of comic stores then branch off and doing conventions, uh, publishing, you know, uh, selling online. A lot of that stuff wasn't available back when I was doing it. Now, I mean, most comic stores are supplementing <coughs> selling things on eBay and, gotcha. and things like that. And that you're taking good money over here and dumping it on the bad money over here. And I'm giving you a very cliff note version. So I'm not trying to solve the comic industry. I'm, you know, I've been out long enough that. Luckily, that's not my problem right now. But what I see is people making a lot of marketing mistakes too, where they spend their dollars and how they they try to uh, cultivate customers. It's all everything in every business, whether you have a restaurant, bar, whatever, is how do you get maintain the customers you have and grow the base. 
that's always it. It's never, there's never anything different. More customers have more money and keep it, keep it rolling. Absolutely. Absolutely. And shout out to uh, Sean Mack out there. I think, I think he's in Detroit with cuts and comics uh, who, who just opened up a shop with his, with his wife. Um, yeah. All right. yeah, he, he did open. He's not in Detroit, but that, yeah, shout out to him. Okay. Question number four. And uh, this one is for you, Mr. Strowman. Uh, and this is a question that we ask a lot of artists and uh, people who do a lot of conventions. Um, there's a philosophy growing about doing small shows versus big cons and how, you know, especially indie creators, um, you know, entering comic books and then, you know, the perspective of people who have a lot of books and, and a lot of art to sell. Um, so I wonder, um, which one do you prefer, large shows or small shows and why? I like the middle, the middle size shows mm -hmm. because it's some of the same stuff that's in the big shows, but it's a little bit more focused like you would have at a small show. Mm -hmm. So the big shows, people think they're going to do better at the big shows because it's big, but it's just a lot of stuff going on. But with the with medium sized shows, it's more likely that somebody's going to come over to your table to have a conversation with you because a lot of that is how you sell stuff. It's not just because you have something that looks amazing. It's their interaction with people. And if you can spend that time to talk to people, that will build up more of your audience than anything. Absolutely. I agree. Can I, can I, I, expand, can I expand on something that with that, Danny? Absolutely. I, I think the first thing that small creators or independents, I don't even call them small. They're just independent, whatever. I think what we all have to look at is, is this big show for us? Or are you just a lost leader for them to pay for their expenses of throwing the big show while they spend all their time concentrating on the big people they brought in? And San that, Diego. And that, yeah, San Diego is a big example of that, that everything looks shiny and stuff. New York, New York Comic Con, same thing. Yeah, as a comic they, creator. They're just, they just too big for you to really function as a <laughs> Excuse me. You know, unless people already know about your book. <laughs> So what happens, we get, in, we get in this mood that in order to look like we're for real, we have to sit there and run with the big dogs. And you just cannot survive. It's, it's, a, it's a bad plan that's not planned out well right from the beginning. You can't compete on their level. And they're in the, in the bigger store, the shows are not even designed for you to compete on that level. You're not going to be in the prime spaces. You're not going to be in the prime slots as far as any type of uh, platform to talk like panels or anything like that you are there's a certain amount of expenses that go into throwing anything so the first thing they want to fill those tables with publishers and and vendors and everything like that but you are paying for the bigger thing for people to all come see the latest marvel reveal or uh the artist that's on the bigger the biggest books in the world and things like that and i just think i think as independence should start thinking more independently and you know if, if you go what i've noticed now since coming back and just kind of observing comics everybody seems fascinated with having all these discussions about the industry as if we're all part of the industry i think we have to come down smaller and just be thinking about what is danny quick trying to do what is todd johnson trying to do i'm not trying to save the industry I'm trying to figure out how I can get tribe to as many hands as I can or as many eyeballs as I can. And I think we have to get smaller before we get bigger. And I know that sounds strange, 
but it, there was a commercial. I don't know if you ever saw this commercial that this small firm was saying, I wonder what the medium firm is doing. And, the, and then they showed the medium firm and, I wonder, and they said, I wonder what the big firm is doing. And when they got to the big firm, the guy was saying, we're big, but we're out of touch. What is that small guy doing? Mm. You know, and that's what happened. Some of the big guys, if you think about it, even through comics, people have been stealing ideals down for days. You know, you come up with great things in the independent community and sure enough, you're going to see it somewhere in the big boys. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to call it stealing because it's whatever, you know, but I think we have to get smaller in our concentration and our effort and who we're trying to partner with and everything before we can get bigger. Just you got to reevaluate your first your, yourself first, then your environment, who you can work with and then and then go from there. And a lot of people get disappointed because they think you can come in dealing with companies that have billions of dollars behind them and then you can compete with them selling your book which nobody even knows about right. first of all somebody has to be have some interest in the book itself in order for you to even be able to uh the the, the fill up the space that you have that you paid for uh um get other people to come over because what people usually tend to do is if something doesn't look interesting they'll just keep walking so a lot of times those people who stop by your table or have conversations with you is what makes you look interesting to other people. And then they're like, hey, what's going on over there? Let me go see what's going on over there. And nobody can sell you like you. Nobody can be Chiron. Nobody better than Chiron. You know, and nobody better than Danny. So if you could dig deep in yourself, man, you could sell anything, man. And I and I find that, you know. When people get these platforms, whether it be a show like this or whether it be a, a, a column or whatever they're doing, we spend so much time talking about industry and making comments about what Marvel's doing, what DC is doing. I want to use all my marketing time, all my effort on either myself and something I'm working on with my partners and family or talking about somebody else's things that has done things that we can we can scale together. So I have no problem saying Ace Blade, Ace Blade, Ace Blade. You know, I have no comment, you know, because now we 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 have a we share in something. We both are trying to push an agenda of oh, we're trying to help your show, you're trying to help what we're trying to do. So now we've created a synergy amongst ourselves. So if you can just concentrate things like that and then expand out with others, you'd be shocked how how quickly the independents could build something that's really uh you know devastating to the current status quo one of the main problems probably the main problems is that most of the independent people only want to be about themselves themselves mm -hmm. their thing and without the support from all the other people your thing is is, is not really going much anywhere yep but they I'm think that all you do is you just keep just talking about your thing just yours like nothing else exists other than your thing. Because I know guys have been doing that for 30, 40 years and people still don't know who they are. Yeah. So get your, yeah. you know, back to what I was saying, get your footing, you know, tighten your stuff up and then start seeing who you can collab with and who you can. And collaborations don't always mean that Ace Blade's got to be in tribe. I'm not talking about just that. 
It's awesome. Wait, is they going to be in tribe though? <laughs> talk about that though if y'all want yeah. to. Y'all want to. We can, make a- <laughs> we, can need, we can have our characters be part of your 200. So <laughs> there's all kinds of partnerships. There's 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 best practices where you know you know a better printer or I know a guy that does stickers or or you, sure. you know a show to go to that I might not be aware of. You you keep it like it's some some secret instead of like you just promoted the Atlantic Con. That's how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work that other brothers are, and not just brothers. I'm, this is not even a race thing. It's just other creators. We are brothers in creation. And it's like nobody should know Atlantic Con is like a secret. You know, Javon Stokes has a has a podcast. Nobody That shouldn't be secret from what Geekdom is doing. Everybody, this is, this is a huge pie out here, man. How much pie can you eat by yourself? <laughs> you know, and it's much better eating it with, you know, people that share your experience. I 100% agree. Thank y'all for that. Thank you for that. Okay. Um, now this last question is for both y'all and this is the fun one. So um, I do another show with uh, some comic book creators called Top 5 Live where we do top five lists every week. So I got a top five list that I want to get y'all's input on off the top of your head. So um, for both of you, I want to know what, in your opinion, are your top five indie characters? This can be anybody outside of the big two, outside of Marvel and DC. So anything from Image, anything of all time. These can be your characters. Um, it can be, you know, a peer's characters. Um, but top five indie characters, um, whoever wants to go first, whoever has. When you say indie, are you speaking of just not Marvel and DC? Just not Marvel and DC. That's, that's all I mean, just number outside one, of the big two. Number one is Tribe. There we go. Yep. <laughs> Ace Blade. I was reading this book, Ace Blade, okay. this morning. That was pretty good. That's pretty cool. And, Dread, um, hey, uh, Dreadlock. <laughs> yeah, Dreadlock. Um, um, I'm trying to look at my show. Uh, it must be any of, any, of, any of the image characters or anything, any, any of those folks. What, what's image? Okay, yep. Okay. <laughs> Okay. See, that's your thing. Our thing is stuff from the sixties and seventies. Nexus. I love it. There's a book called Nexus. Used to come out from First Comics. I I like that one. Okay. Awesome. Uh, There's a book I like called Mudman. Joe Chitlins. Joe Chitlins. Joe Joe Chitlins. (laughs) Joe Chitlins. Two hundred pounds of pure guts. Yep. I love it. I love it. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. I do appreciate that. These characters um, actually exist. <laughs> I believe it. No, I, I I believe it. Surely, surely. That's terrible. That's a, that's like one of those questions that you have a brain fart for a second. I'm sitting here trying to spin around, look at my shelf, and see what's got back here. I'm like, yeah, it's it's harder when it is harder when you get put on the spot. Brother man, is, brother man is a great one. Witch Doctor for sure. Kenji's Kenji's character, Witch Doctor. Witch um, Doctor out of Detroit. You know, uh, Dreadlocks out of Detroit. Old Guard, you know, Old Rain from uh, uh, Tion out of Detroit. Tion Walker. I mean, there's there's a lot of Detroit. There's a group here called Detroit Tradecraft and stuff, and they, they crank out a lot of good stuff. On this this book is pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. 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 That that Rosalind is uh is fantastic. Yeah, this I can already see you. This this you gonna have your this wife dress up as Rosalind. This is what I'm reading right now. You know, just good good source material to get you know yeah. get it going. Right. You know, but y'all hinted at it that 
you guys are coming out with new stuff. Where can people check out your new work? Uh, where are we going to be able to find Tribe in the future? Uh, we're work. That's actually a work in progress as well, as far as you know how we're going to publish it or who we're going to publish it with. You know, our main concentration right now is the, you know, knock off the ring rust and dust ourselves off and pick up and start doing the things, writing the stories and drawing the pictures. So this time we want the the horse before the cart. You know, so we're gonna we're gonna. That's what we're doing now. We're doing a bunch of work now. So we got courage. This one. There you go. You know, we want to. You know, we, we just want to have a lot of pages done before we make the full announcement of when, when, and where. Right now, this is just kind of a, we're back. Hey, woo! Make 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 some noise and throw some kindling on the fire, and then we haven't put any. The logs are going to be when you actually see these pages, and you're going to be, you know, I think people will be pleased. You know, it's like that's easy to say that because you're biased, but you know, if you like the old tribe, you'll you'll like the new tribe. I love it. Right. Awesome. Well, this is the end of our show, so we want to make sure you guys have an opportunity to, you know, showcase yourself. So we want to know your social medias where people can check out your work in the future and keep up with you. Uh, right now, we'd love for people to come check us out on Instagram at uh, at sign tribe comic, and that's where most of the new uh, all the new news will be given from them. We'll have our website and things like that up probably in the next couple of weeks and you know you know reach out we're easy to we're easy to get we're on it we're on facebook you know i'm on the, facebook is todd c johnson larry stroman's on facebook that's you know we're on instagram we're very very easy to find okay just like you found us <laughs> everybody always act like we were like lost like finding forrester i mean I mean, me and Larry on Instagram, I mean, on Facebook almost daily talking about something. It's not, you know, so it's like then when people say, hey, I don't know, how do I get in touch with Larry Stroman? I'm like, are you kidding? Just send him a message. You know, it's like, geez, it's not, you know, the, the, the internet and the modern technology now, man, it really levels the playing field. And you have, you know, you can make the noise if you want to, you know, it's just how hard do you want to work, you know? Hold on. Chapman, what is your question? Uh, he, he had a question about, he said uh, he didn't know if it was answered, but someone mentioned that tribe characters' names had to be changed. Can we get some hints at what the new names will be? We've never changed any of the tribe's names. Okay. All right. No, uh, nothing what, changed for the new this, series. This is what happens over a period of time is, is people adapt things to their thing. And what happens is that there's a number of people who work over the years at, at Marvel or DC who have either taken a name from some character that we had or, or, or mm -hmm. whatever. And it's not just us, it's pretty much everybody. And you can take them to court, you can fight out for years, you can spend a ton of money and you may, you may not win, but you, you're battling against like billion dollar companies so it's like mm -hmm. a name what do you do you change a name you know it's no big deal it's not a it's not like it's the main name of a of the book itself you know it's just right you know it's just not that much of a big deal you know and sometimes sometimes a new name is right in your face like we have a speed guy named shift you know so the whole time i've been watching this thing hey we got to change the name we, we'll call him quick yeah yeah 
Hey. Uh, yeah, like we we'll call him D Quick. D Quick. I'm not a like it now. See, since I'm in the music business, we'll call him DJ Quick. Yeah. Oh, that, that's his Quick. son, though. No, we can't do that. You see? And that's how you, that's how you adapt. Right right. That is how you adapt to your marketing environment. Everything is usable. Everything. Got to. You know? Got to. Chiron, you're going to be like a big, like a big bull character. It's going to be tired. Chiron the Taurus. All right, just make the me tall. I would yeah. love to finally be tall for once in my life. Yeah, so you got to be a Zodiac-looking character, you know? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all heard this first. We're now part of, of Tribe, so look for us when the next issue pops out. Hopefully. You are part of it. You don't even know it yet, but you're going to be part of it. There you go. Hey, we'll be right there whenever you need us. Don't even worry about it. We truly appreciate you guys' time and, and, and extending your platform to us and, you know, what can it was we say? to have you guys on for sure. Honor, a truly, truly an honor. All right, Danny, uh, where can people check you out and check out all your work? Everywhere. Oh. <laughs> just, there you go. Just open, just, there we go. open the social media. You'll see me. No. Uh, if you want to find uh, Ace Blade or any of my work, go over to fourthwallproductions.com or fourthwallpros.com. And um, on social media, it's at the Ace Blade on all social media platforms. Kyron. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on all platforms at Taurus Comics. Uh, you can also find me on TikTok at Taurus Comics. And if this is your first time checking out our podcast, you can go to our website, 4talespodcast.com. Go back and listen to all our previous episodes. And uh, make sure you're here next week, same time, where we're going to have an amazing artist called Sing Sin on the show uh, talking about their creation. Uh, and, uh, you know, I hope I have a, a, as great of a time as we did here. And Danny sent me PDFs of all his comic books. So anybody who wants any bootleg copies, just let me know. <laughs> hey, if they're if they're willing to read them, please send them to them. Uh, listen. Hey, and shout out to uh, Mike Watson in Ohio. There you go. Absolutely. All right, well, friend of the show, Freestyle Comics. Yeah, he, well, he, he bought me a great sandwich when I came to a show down there. So he, he's he's family for life. Oh, hey, okay. yeah. Love it. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll sign our goodbye, and everybody, please take care of yourselves. I want to know what it is Quick is trying to say.